Welcome to the Burden and Blessing Podcast, a study and discussion forum on the truth of God's Word. Our Bible study series examines a specific part of God's Word of Truth. We pray that through this study your faith will be built up and you will grow in your knowledge and understanding of God's Word through what you hear. Glad to have you with us back at Burden and Blessing today. My name is Pastor Nathaniel Mayhew, and I'm being joined by Pastor Neil Radical for one of our favorite episodes of the year. And we're continuing our series in the Psalms. We started a while back going through the Psalms chronologically, and we've been working our way through the, basically through the life of David here just recently. We're in the life of David, studying the Psalms that he had written, and we're looking today at Psalm 34. The last couple of times we've done this, we've tried something a little bit different, and that is to study this with you as you're listening to us and taking notes along the way, sort of as our own little personal Bible study, and maybe to help you in your Bible study as well. So Psalm 34, there's some familiar verses in this Psalm. Neil, before we dig into it, why don't we read the first 10 verses and kind of introduce that section? We'll then get into a little discussion of it. Sounds good. Would you like me to read? Yeah, if you don't mind. A Psalm of David, when he pretended madness before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him, and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. I kind of wish there was only that half because there's a ton of stuff in there. <laughs> there is. I don't know how we're going to get all this done in one day. <laughs> So this follows pretty closely to the psalm that we studied the last time we were talking about how this fits in with David's life. I have the the historical section open in yeah. front of me. So the introduction, as you read there, Neil, when he pretended madness before Abimelech. So if you look in your cross-references, you might find that 1 Samuel 21 is a cross-reference for this. I'm going to read the six verses from that section just to give a little bit of background information. This is 1 Samuel 21, beginning with verse 10. Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing to him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them, feigned madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate, and let his saliva fall down on his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Look, you see, this man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? 
Have I need of madmen that you have brought this fellow to play the madmen in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? So this one we talked a little bit about with the last psalm that we had too. And it fits so in that same time frame, but here's Saul hunting him down and you can see the why this is so emphasizing the Lord's protection in David's life. Any thoughts that you have? Yeah, I think that all the requests of David here at this time, you know, when I will bless, I will seek, I, I sought the Lord, he heard me. It's all about the Lord answering his prayers. If you just go through and highlight all the word Lord in this entire psalm, every verse really has it. It reminds me of Psalm 119 where every verse has the a form of the word of God there, where it be statutes, precepts, commandments. And really you have the same thing in Psalm 34 here where every thought that David has as he is going through this really crazy time of his life, being hunted by Saul, you know, being before King Abimelech and really looking to the Lord for deliverance once again, not too long ago in one of these Psalms we talked about how David was praying the Lord would deliver him for those who lie, lie in wait for him in the morning, you know, that ambush him and to assassinate him, to kill him. And here we see how really, I, I like especially verse seven, how the Lord encamps around David. And so, so often we think about in the Bible about how the Lord is greater than our enemies. And we have to remember that even if those lie in wait against us who are our enemies, we have the Lord who lies in favor for us, who lies around, who's always around us. And, and the other thing about the Lord encamping around us, remember we know from a different Psalm, Psalm 121, he never slumbers or sleeps. And so again, the Lord always shows how much greater he is than our enemies. And I think this Psalm really points that out very well, especially in this first part about how the Lord was hanging on David's word. He wouldn't think that the Lord would do that, but it really is our loving, doting father. That's what he does. He, he hangs on our word and David knows it. And that's why he starts out with the Psalm by saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. I know he listens to me. I know, I know he hears my prayers. I know he knows what my soul is going through. And so my soul is going to make boast in the Lord and continue to look to him for help in time of need. I, I guess, you know, the, the word Lord isn't used in every single verse, but just about all of them, but it's always referring to the Lord and everything. <clears throat> so this, excuse me for my voice today, by the way. So this, this boast and this praise that, that David has with the Lord, it continues to remind us his confidence is not in himself. His confidence is in his God and Savior and looking to him for deliverance. Um, my, one of my questions is this whole pretended madness before Abimelech. Um, I know some people have brought this up to me this whole lying part of it so david is lying here is he is he breaking the second commandment is he breaking the eighth commandment is he using the lord's name in vain you know have you ever heard thoughts like that before yeah um i mean i think one of the things that i always come back to with something like this is that it's that difference between what is prescriptive and descriptive in scripture 
So there's a lot of things that the Bible describes that it doesn't necessarily condone. And, and this kind of gets to the heart of David and it's a little bit hard to, to determine that. But even if that is what he is doing, it doesn't give us the, it doesn't give us permission to do the same thing. It's not that God is saying, this is what you should do. We just see the example of what David was actually doing in his life. And obviously we know from the life of David, he wasn't perfect. He made a lot of mistakes along the way. Um, maybe it was a foolish thing for him to go down to Gath to begin with, you know, so maybe the line wasn't the, the biggest mistake that he made. Maybe it was the decision to go down to Gath before he even got there. So, you know, one mistake over, over after another, but one of the things that, that struck me, Neil, in the opening three verses is you were talking about how he had this problem of, of he, he's stuck there in basically in the midst of the Philistines and he's in trouble, but notice the, the words that he uses there. I will bless the Lord. His praise shall be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. This is a beautiful result of the Christian. This is the Christian life. This is what it's all about. That the Lord delivers us. And what do we do? We praise him. It reminds me of Psalm 50 where the Lord says to us, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you. And how does it go? I will deliver you and you will glorify me. Yeah, you will glorify me. Bless the Lord, praise his name, boast in the Lord, magnify the Lord, exalt in his name. I mean, this is sort of a, this is sort of a historical fulfillment of Psalm 50 in my mind, that David is doing exactly what the Lord wants us to do when he delivers us out of his hand. And that, and that is true whether David did the right thing or the wrong thing in this case. The Lord still delivered him. And so this is, I think this whole situation here is a reminder that the Lord doesn't just deliver us when we do the right thing. Many times he delivers us in spite of us doing the wrong thing. And so uh, that's, a, that's a good reminder in this psalm too. Well, and that just brings me back to verse one again. His praise shall continually be in my mouth because no matter of when we're met if when we sin every single day we can praise him for that forgiveness of sin when he delivers us as he does so often from our earthly troubles you know we got financial problems that maybe he lets us wrestle through with those for a while maybe even months or years on end but he provides for us during that time he delivers us through that time if we have those who are persecuting us you know it's that continual praise because there's the continual hand of the lord in our life that's delivering us from all that as it says here a couple times those who are afraid but those who fear the lord look to him for his look for his look to him for his presence and for his provision in their time of need and that's why you know that I, I was mentioning that encampment and i think that's such a powerful phrase because I always takes my mind back to second Kings six, where you have Elisha praying that the eyes of his serpent servant would be open when they're surrounded by the Syrians and that Elisha prayed and the servant's eyes were open and he could see that the Lord was encamped all around the army that was encamping around them. You know, so once again, you see that the Lord was there for them and nothing was going to happen apart from the Lord's will. And what I really like about this Psalm is that, even though here's kind of the, the tricky part of this is that David trusts in the Lord, but then that comes that tough point. Like you said, why is he 
pretending madness if he's trusting in the Lord. And ultimately, I think the Lord used that that madness, that change of character before Abimelech to help deliver David as well. You know, Abimelech could have just said, whatever, just put this guy to death. But the Lord even used that, regardless if it was right or wrong, the Lord used that to help deliver him as well. And I think that's an important thing to remember that yeah, David was very fearful for his life and he was wrestling with that trust just like we do and that's why when we read these psalms it's so easy to relate to what david is going through because we wrestle with our faith and our trust as well maybe the most familiar verse in this entire psalm is verse eight. Oh, taste and see that the lord is good blessed is the man who trusts in him this verse is used in one of uh, those probably one of our uh, most familiar communion hymns in the worship supplement. Uh, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's where that comes from. There's an interesting connection to the goodness of the Lord, though. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Sometimes we kind of water that down and we hear people do that in Christianity. They'll say, oh, God is good. God is good. You know, they see something that is nice that happens or something like that or something something uh, you know somebody's health turns around or somebody's preserved from an accident or somebody gets a bonus or a promotion or something like that and you'll hear people say god is good but it's almost like it's still sort of subjective you know it, it depends on our definition of what is good and i think what's really interesting about this term good in the bible that's the word in hebrew it's tov uh when God finished creating the world, he looked at it and he said, uh, Tov, it is good. It's not, it's not subjective. It is objectively true. It's the absence of evil, the absence of anything that is bad. The Lord is good. And what is God, what is God doing? David is inviting us to, to taste and see that the Lord is good, to understand the perfection of the Lord. And what an invitation. Isn't that a beautiful invitation? And he brings it out in three different ways. He says that we should fear him, that we are blessed when we trust in him, and that we should seek the Lord in order to find those the goodness of the Lord. So trust, fear, and seek. Three very important verbs in these verses in verses 7, 8, 9, and 10 at the end of the section, which is how we experience, how we come to know the goodness, the objective goodness of the Lord. I think that's a pretty powerful section. I like that you narrowed in on taste there because even though we walk by faith and not by sight, our Lord God definitely gives us reason to believe and trust in him through all of our senses. And you know, you mentioned the Lord's Supper with the whole taste and see that the Lord is good, that perfection, that righteousness that he lays upon us is one that we can rejoice in. You know, and the as I think this first part shows more of the provision of the Lord, the first 10 verses, you know, one of the questions we always like to try to bring in is, well, where do we see Christ in this? Of course, we see Christ in the triune God and, and Jehovah, the Lord here. And we talked about the angel of the Lord, and that is often referred to as pre-incarnate Christ, the Messiah. You know, there's a lot of references of the angel of the Lord in Genesis and Exodus and Numbers. And then we see that in New Testament times as well not just an angel of the Lord as a messenger, but we think about the angel of the Lord in camps around those who fear him, who trust in him, and he delivers them. So you can think of Joshua crossing the Jordan with the 
children of Israel and the angel of the Lord standing there ready to fight for them as they go to reclaim their land that the Lord had promised to them. So again, we see Christ here as our deliverer. We see our Jehovah God functioning for David and for each one of us. Now, as we go into the second half of this, verses 11 through 22, divided kind of evenly, I think that we see a little bit more of the sanctification. Uh, we see on the first part, the confidence, the redemption of the Lord, redeeming from all of our troubles, as we saw with verse six, our, this poor man, this humble in spirit. And now in the second half, we see how does the Lord going to intercede and what can we do to continue to remember that the Lord is teaching us, as it says here in the first verse, the Lord teaches us how to follow him. And so um, if it's okay with you, I'll read the next set of verses. Here. Well, do you want to read the next set of verses? 11 uh, sure, 22? sure. Uh, so the, and just so everybody knows, we're using the New King James Version here in our study. But So verses 11 to 22. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems his, the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. Beautiful section. It is, and like you said, it really emphasizes what you called sanctification there. This is the, we saw a little bit of this in the first couple of verses too, <clears throat> but it emphasizes what is the Christian's response to the goodness of the Lord. When we know Christ and what Christ has done and accomplished, like you po pointed to, when we see Christ and we should be looking for Christ in the Psalms, or not just in the Psalms, but anywhere in the scriptures, when we see and know what he has done for us, what does that do? How does it change us? And we see that in the, these verses pretty clearly. There's some very specific sanctification sections. What is it that is good? Keep your tongue from evil. So it's what you say. Your lips from speaking deceit. So it's not just in our words, but verse 14, also in our actions, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So when, when we confess our sins in church, we often confess our sins of thought, word, and deed. And we've got the word and the deed in here very clearly, but also the idea of thought, which is in the fear of the Lord. And that's brought out as well. Maybe not quite as clearly as we, we would often see sometimes, but certainly what, it, what we say and what we do is brought out in here. I like how the first three verses of the second half, like 11, 12, 13, I suppose you could even say 14. It's talking about seeking the Lord. You know, how are we doing that? Like you suggested. And then it says in verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. So now it says, well, here's what we're seeking after. And here's what the Lord seeks after. His eyes are on 
us who are his believers. His ears are open to our cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. David is saying, we have a very personal God and we see his personality. Again, we mentioned the doting father before. How about the, when you think about Christ, how about the big brother that shows the extreme kindness to his younger siblings? You know, that strong leader that we want Christ to be for us, he is, because he's always attentive to us. He's always there. And it gives you this warmness of the family dynamic that we have as being part of God's family, of being children of our, our Lord. And I really love the way the Lord shows that tough love in verse 20. And he continues to remind us that we might be broken, but he continues to preserve us and protect us. Our, and then it, it transitions there at the end, you know, as I'm kind of summarizing the section for a little bit here, it transitions to the ultimate thing the Lord does for us in verse 22. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants. Again, now we're not talking about a redemption from uh, enemies like the Egyptians or the Amalekites or anybody else that has captured us. We're talking about the redemption of our soul. So there is definitely Christ shown to us in this Psalm 34. You know, how many years? You know, we got a thousand years before Jesus is even born. You have the Lord pointing us to that redemption once again in this song. David knew it. The people knew it. They were looking for the Messiah. And so in other, in other words, this whole condemnation here that the verse ends with, what a wonderful thing. We know that there are none who are righteous, no, not one, Roman says. But here David says, you mentioned before how many times all adoptions of the Bible are in the Psalms. And verse 22 says that clearly, none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. And so there you have that justification. We are justified. We're declared not guilty, even though we should be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants. He has bought us back from our sin so that, like Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore, therefore, no one shall be justified, or I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank, I'll put you on the spot, you remember Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus, so, and then, and then that verse also talks about walking according to that sanctified life as well. I noticed too that in these verses 15 to 20, we come back to the Lord again, where, which is where you started. In the opening verses, we see the Lord through all the way through this. And so we have this, this idea of sanctification, but it comes back to the Lord and it reminds us that the Lord, the Lord sees, the Lord knows. So a lot of times as human beings, we think, well, I can get away with this. You know, nobody's going to know that I did this or I said this. And David comes back and he says, uh, nope, sorry, that's not true. <laughs> the Lord knows. And he sees both the good but he also sees the evil. And as you pointed out in those last two verses of the Psalm, it's interesting how each one of those verses ends. Evil shall slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. But then verse 22, the Lord redeems the soul of his servants and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. So there's, there's, there's heaven and hell that's brought out in these final verses. And we live in a world that says, ah, you know, heaven and hell, this afterlife stuff, that, that doesn't exist. It's really not a big deal. It's, it's all about today. It's all about right now. And David says, mm, no, it's not. It's about tomorrow. It's about eternity. And, and how do we get there? And again, it takes us back to the, the Lord and what the Lord has done. It takes us back to Christ, what Christ has done to redeem us. 
the Lord redeems the soul of his servants. It's not about you or me or what we have done. We can glorify God in our redemption or having been redeemed, we can we can despise him. We can despise his gifts. And the Lord, again, this is that invitation, isn't it? Seek the Lord, fear the Lord, trust in the Lord because he is the only redeemer. Uh, one other interesting thought that I had in verse 21 it's interesting that it says evil shall slay the wicked. Sometimes we we have we hear about those who want to make God look bad or maybe say well God must not exist because God how could God ever sentence somebody to hell? You know, it, there's that argument against right. the existence of God. But verse 21 is interesting in that it says evil shall slay the wicked. In hell basically God gives sinners exactly what they want uh di divine chaos if if that is such a thing you know what i'm saying right. god allowing people to do whatever it is that they want i think about the the riots that we've seen over the last year across the country and that's just a, a taste a foretaste of what hell will be like people doing whatever they want whenever they want and god just saying okay do it you know, that, that's just a glimpse of what hell will be like. Evil shall slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. So I think that gives us a little bit of an interesting perspective on what hell is actually like. And then it gives us the, the joy of understanding the, the redemption from that chaos because of Christ's victory over sin and over death. Isn't it interesting how easy it is to forget when you're going, you know, remember what, Again, take it back full circle. What are where are David's thoughts resting? He is being hunted down. He's on the run. He is pretending to be mad before another king, King Abimelech, and his thoughts keep coming back to his not earthly life but eternal life. Yes, he knows the Lord's going to help and deliver him, as we said from the first part. But ultimately, he wants to walk faithfully, no matter what's going on in his life. Ultimately, looking forward to his eternal life that the Lord has promised him. So he, he clings to those promises of the Lord. He clings to the, the presence that he trusts that God is with him. And he ultimately just continues to give thanks as he tastes and sees with his own eyes how good the Lord is and how blessed he is in trusting in the Lord. So I, I'm, this is such a great psalm because it shows those two sides. You know, you divide out the psalm this way, but you know, this is this is a lot of verbiage here. I, it would be fantastic to hear someday how this is sung. But again, the the theme of it is always coming back to the Lord, no matter what He's going through. I'd be interested to see what theme you put together for your devotion because, um, not I'm not trying to give you one, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Taste and see. <laughs> Taste and see. <laughs> awesome. Well, as far as there's a lot more we could comment on as far as word studies go with, you know, would be righteous or condemned or the afflictions. There's a lot of interesting words that I would like to look at more with uh, our own after study too. Uh, I don't know how much longer you think we should go for today, but. Well, I think we got, we got made it through the Psalm and there's, like you said, there's obviously a lot more that we could dig into in each one of these Psalms as we go through, but hopefully this gives a little bit of an overview to our listeners and an introduction to it and that we kind of highlighted the main points and the historical background of it. Uh, that's kind of our, our goal with this 
series is to help you dig into the Psalms for yourself as Neil and I dig into them for ourselves and uh, take these little tidbits that we find along the way, uh, put them into their historical context and then apply them into our, our daily lives. So I'm looking forward to getting into the next one with you. Likewise. Well, thank you for being with us today in our study of Psalm 34. Look forward to having you back with us next time as we get into the next Psalm in the list, which will be Psalm 142, another Psalm of David. The Lord keep you all this week. We hope that you will join us again next week for another episode of Burden and Blessing Podcast as we continue to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Until next time, take confidence in your Savior's promise that he will always be with you, even to the end of the world.